welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Well, we have Grace Mills with us here today. Grace, I really appreciate you giving me a moment of your time. But before we get started, I'm going to give everybody your contact information. So if you're interested in radio advertising when it comes to real estate investing, I'm going to send you over to wholesalinginc.com slash radio. That's wholesalinginc.com slash radio. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time here, Grace. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful um, to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm a big value add person. So <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in my uh, journey and I tend to come full circle kind of helping other people just avoid some of the mishaps I got myself into, lose some money, lose some time. So I'm, I'm really grateful for to be here with you, Jack, and, and your audience just to share some value. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And this is kind of an interesting topic because most of us as real estate investors, we do the direct mail, of course. Some of us are doing the cold calling. But radio is kind of one of, is a traditional advertising medium that we just frankly, most of us just don't use. Mm -hmm. Like, so uh, you work with Chris Arnold. Chris has been on our show. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes as well if you want to check out Chris's episode. It's, it's uh, a, a while ago, however, and I'm sure there's been some tactics and strategies that have changed since then. But can you talk a little bit about the process of how you landed in this niche? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've always had a love for marketing and talking and getting to know people. Um, and so I, you know, personally started off just like doing random administrative assistant tasks for um, real estate investors and companies. Um, I met Chris and I started doing a lot of his prospecting, had the opportunity to branch into a little bit of understanding the acquisition side before then I caught on to um, what a lot of people were saying as they were calling in um, and the types of pain points I was picking up on just purely in conversating um, with sellers, um, you know, kind of went, hey, you know, can I help with marketing? The person that was handling marketing, I jumped in and helped them. I seven, eight years later, I <laughs> grew into actually being the, you know, the director of marketing and, and handling all things marketing under uh, Chris's actual investment uh, company. But um, while there, we tinkered with what everyone else uses, you know, cold calling is, is still great, direct mail, things like that. And we kept going, hey, like our responses are, are kind of starting to drop with our our usual sources. Maybe it's time to, um, you know, look into a couple of other sources. Um, Chris had previously played with radio, uh, but didn't have enough time to really dive in and, and, and get it really set up or kind of tinker with where it could have went. Um, and with, I, again, I've always loved marketing. So I took that underneath my um, umbrella. Our first station was maybe, maybe $1,500 a month um, and ended up growing Growing into about five to six stations, roughly playing with like a twenty-five thousand uh, dollar, you know, radio budget. It's something that was grown into. Like by no means did we just wake up one day and say, "Yeah, like let's go, <laughs> let's go spend a ton of money um, on radio." It was tried and uh, tested and, and played with to go, "Hey, like is our seller here? Where exactly is that?" Because 
um, radio it can be kind of scary for some people, but um, it's really trying to find you know where your target is, um, and then like rinse and repeat. Because once you figure out where to get started, it's roughly the same thing. Once you understand, um, you know, kind of like the the layers you need to be looking at when it comes to setting up radio. Sure. Well, there's a lot to unpack when it comes to radio. One of those things is that. I think a lot of people, there's a perception that radio is just ex very expensive and it's just something that isn't cost justified. Is that a myth you can bust here? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, what I like to tell people just as a warning is that you're, you know, when you actually go in to buy radio, you're going to run into a sales representative, a sales rep. Um, they're no different than a sales rep you meet anywhere else. They like their bottom line. Um, and if they have the opportunity to upsell you or kind of get as much money from you as much as possible, they're going to take that opportunity. There's like a retail pricing to radio and then there's a wholesaling price to radio. The same way you would approach, you know, properties. You know, you could buy a home at full retail or, <laughs> you know, knowing comps and knowing what to play with, you know, you can go in there and you can actually get it at wholesale. Radio is the exact same way. So um, most often, you know, if you were approaching a sales rep just randomly out of today, they're going to hit you full retail. Um, and then if you're really dealing with a sales rep that really loves money, they're going to tack on like an extra price on top of whatever their manager said is the running uh, price for today. So it's, it's actually not as expensive as people are uh, probably thinking. A lot of my students probably come in and start about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars as a monthly budget um, to get started um, in radio. Whereas, again, though, if you were to approach a, a sales rep, they're probably going to try and scare you with like five to ten thousand dollars as a starting price, which is not even remotely where you need to be um, at all. It's usually with those high prices, they probably tucked in um, some super unnecessary services uh, to kind of fluff up your price and make you think you got a great deal when indeed you did not. Um, so, no, it is actually a lot cheaper than most people are thinking. Sure. No, you know, and, and this is this was a lifetime ago, but I'm going to I'm going to let you know, I, I sold radio advertising like, gee, it's it's been a long time. It was, <laughs> when I say a lifetime ago, it's a lifetime ago. And um, you'd have the occasional person who'd call in and look for radio ads. And it was just you would immediately go to the most expensive rate you could get just just to to see what appetite they had and mm -hmm. and and half the time they would just take it you know so you were always you're always willing to like yeah you know if if somebody's sniffing around versus you know a lot of a lot of radio advertisers they're hunters they're out yes door knocking and, and, and trying to shake that apple out of the tree in hopes to find somebody. And, and in that mindset, they're willing to wheel and deal. I mean, at least I was at the time. Absolutely. Um, and I try and at least warn people that as much as I possibly can up front. I'm just like, hey, don't get some people kind of get sticker shock and they're like, well, that's not what I was expecting to hear. I'm like, oh, I fully expect a you know a radio sales representative to go high. If they don't, I'm, I'm weirded out. Usually if that's the case, it's probably someone that's a little bit new. <laughs> right. um, and, and, you know, the manager is not aware that they didn't know how to quite pitch what they're trained to do. But most sales reps are all trained the same way. They go high, you know, and you're correct that, you know, for them, sometimes it's um, very 
there's a low volume of maybe incoming business that requires them to have to go out and try and hunt as much business down as possible. Um, and so in that particular case, it's literally just weighing their bottom line at that point. They're like, I've got to at least just make some money. Um, let me just close out this person any which way I can, even if it means setting them up with maybe uh, a radio station or maybe the radio package that wasn't in their best interest. Well, I'm not going to have you tell us every, every, uh, that you have available to you. But if you are talking to a radio sales guy, what are a couple strategies to see if you can get them to bring their prices down a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I would probably, I would tell you in your initial conversation, especially do not get baited into you discussing anything around money on your end. Um, especially if you say, Hey, I'm a real, I work in real estate. I'm a real estate investor, blah, blah, blah. Um, if I have a dollar for every time I've heard this phrase, I would retire. Uh, their go-to phrase after that is, oh, I know a thing or two about real estate. No. <laughs> if they do, it is very basic. They're not going to have a full understanding of you um, and what you do specifically, and then therefore your target audience and maybe all of their pain points. So you have to take everything that they say after that with a grain of salt. Um, but the biggest thing that tends to get people in trouble is that you feel pressure to talk about even like a marketing budget. Um, and they are really good smooth talkers. They would not have a job if they're not good at talking. Um, and so they may be backwards approaching and say, well, oh, well, you know, if you work in real estate, I'm sure right now in a market like this, you're super busy, right? Uh, or hey, you know, I, I'd imagine that you probably do what, two or five deals a, a month and you're probably looking at about, you know, 5,000. That's the average, right? They're backwards kind of trying to pull some money out of you um, to justify the retail price they're about to throw your way um, mm -hmm. or at least come up with a new price. Because believe me, there are sales reps that are trying like just new price you out um, <laughs> out of your current conversation. So um, in initially approaching a sales rep, I would focus purely on rapport. You have to establish that this is more than money. Um, and that you're not going to allow them to equate your value that you're bringing to them just based on money. So focus on start by building a rapport. And then secondly, avoid at all costs, especially in your initial conversation, do not price yourself. Do not allow them to say, well, do you have a working marketing budget? Nope. Right now, I because I know that there's so many stations in the market that right now I'm just actually shopping and kind of getting a feel for if this station is what I actually need to pick up right now. Do not talk to them. You don't owe them any conversation around budget for your initial conversation at all. Just tell them you're shopping and that, again, you know what's going on in the market. You know there are multiple options. And once you have an opportunity to shop, you'll double back and discuss that potentially once you get to that point. It's yeah, a I, I, oh, I, I can't echo what you some of that what you said enough because, I mean, I've had, you know, not radio, but I, I recently I had a not too long ago was working with a pay-per-click company. Mm -hmm who claim that they had all this experience when it comes to real estate. And what, what the different, the big thing there is after asking a number of questions, they were, they were interested or they had experience in real estate agents and brokerages mm -hmm. and then being dumped into that same pool, which is exactly what happened. It's just, it's just a mess and it's just a waste of money when they don't have that concept down. It's, it, it can be a problem. Big problem. Um, you know, a couple of my students previously tried radio. And so, um, you know, for them, they'll reach out and they'll say, well, Grace, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is a route I want to take in because it didn't actually work the first time. And I'll say, hey, well, you know, talk to me about your previous deal. And nine times out of 10, it is um, they were bulldozed on price. Um, so they got a 
like really like just dragged into a really badly priced deal uh, mm-hmm. and secondly it is the sales reps miscommunication on thinking that they understood who you needed to be in front of and you're absolutely right jack more often than not they are associating you immediately with real estate agents um, i don't know how many times that that have gotten thrown into that bucket um and say you know well hey we've even got you know keller williams on and i'm like i'm not a keller williams by any means <laughs> you know like that's not what uh we actually do but in, in that particular case, um, any recommendation that they're going to try and come up for you or, or package they're going to design around what's best for you is being based on um, their experience with real estate agents, where if you're not an agent and you know that that's not the audience you're reaching, you can't even take their advice there. And then on top of that, you know, there is a lot of misconceptions um, around wholesaling and so there are times where sales reps can misunderstand that as well and and therefore mislead you on where you actually need to be because they just simply don't understand that nor do they have enough data um, from their clientele that they'll claim they have you know similar to jack with the ppc company um i'm slightly chuckling there because i've heard that a lot as well it's like oh yeah we i know a thing or two about this or we've had a lot of clients Mm -hmm. that you know um you know from this industry as well and i'm going no i can tell by the way you're saying it you know, immediately kind of know that, but um, sales reps, same thing. Uh, they will definitely um, end up collecting a lot of data from clients that they think are similar to you that actually have n- no similarities to you in target audience. Um, and therefore you will definitely end up in a situation where it's a waste of money because they priced you high on top of that. Sure. I, 100%. With, <laughs> so have you found, you know, with, with the consolidation of radios, stations and companies i mean let's face it i mean it's it's happening on a on a rapid pace do you find it easier now as you've been progressing through this because when you're talking to these radio sales guys they're representing typically more than one radio station yeah absolutely i would say um it's a bit easier uh here's why is because let's say you secure your first station, it's much easier to grow because you can continue growing underneath that one person. Like they just become your point of contact. Um, So, you know, and for those that are maybe a little bit newer to this conversation, um, it's, you know, once you actually contact the station and you start maybe the negotiation process, who you're negotiating can actually execute the radio contract. Um, And so once it's actually executed, let's say maybe a few months down the line, you go, hey, I think I'm ready to grow into maybe a second or third station. Well, instead of you having to go back to maybe the reception, line or talk to the manager all over again, you just call your sales rep. Um, They become like your account executive or your account manager at that particular point. So they oversee everything. If there's an issue with the station, if you want to grow underneath the station, if you want to, um, you know, change up an advertisement, anything around your station, they're always going to be your point of contact. So in that particular case, I would say it's a lot easier. Um, I'd also say it's a bit easier because you to be honest with you, as you know, they are all kind of consolidated. They're all trained roughly by the same entity. So that's what I meant by, you know, it, it can be a rinse and repeat. Uh, once you know what to look for and you know who to talk to and you know how to best structure that conversation, it's, ru- it's rinse and repeat. Sales reps often have the same uh, pain points and those that maybe have a different pain point, no big deal. It's not that different um, than, you know, what you'll hear commonly uh, that they're dealing with, but they're all trained by the same larger corporation. So you'll hear the same thing um, market to market and radio station to radio station. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting. You know, that that's actually a reverse sales tactic that you can apply that you, you just pointed out there because more times than not, if, if you, flip the script and understand how they 
are incentivized and mm -hmm. how close they are to their monthly goal or quarterly goal or whatever, you can really use that information to your benefit when you do negotiate. Absolutely. It's no different. Honest, you know, what I tell students, um, you know, that sometimes come into the program, I'm like, think of them as a seller, right? You know, when you go talk to a seller, maybe the seller has maybe gotten a couple of phone calls from a couple of other people potentially, right? So this is why I'm like really big on um, making sure people understand, don't allow a sales rep to equate your value to money only. It's bigger than money. Um, because uh, yes, they have pain point. They're a sales representative. Yes, they love money. That's the most obvious thing is <laughs> that they want to make more money. But what about that money? Do they want to make money that makes their job more difficult? Or do they want money that's a little bit easier? Um, or do they want money that's maybe a little bit more consistent in terms of the longevity or the lifetime value of that you know, client that's uh, coming in. It's the same way you would talk to a seller. You would start to just listen for what they're not saying. You know, if you keep someone on the phone long enough or you just keep talking to someone long enough, they'll tell you everything that you needed to know. And then some in sales representatives at uh, radio stations are no different. Believe me, <laughs> they're very client relationship based. They love to talk. So you just got to it's it's more or less um, just navigating, being able to hold a conversation and active listening. Sure. So have you found certain radio stations better than others for this strategy? I would say not necessarily in genre. Um, that's probably another myth that uh, people go is, uh, hey, well, you know, I get a lot of questions on AM and FM. Well, hey, I know like uh, when one work better than the other, like it's never down to AM or FM. And, you know, AM is usually like your news talk stations and then FM, you know, you're more likely to run into your music stations. Um, but it's neither FM, AM or genres like country or uh, news talk, um, you know, there could be um, a pop, uh, adult contemporary, um, you know, soft contemporary. I wouldn't, I'm going to bust that myth out if I can right now, as it comes down to a target audience. And believe me, you can find the target audience on multiple stations, um, which is why I like reminding people like there's a lot of stations in a market. So you don't have to feel like, oh, I'm all tied up into this one conversation with this one sales rep for this one country station that I think is going to work for me. Um, I'm big on approaching it from data and making sure that your actual audience was there listening. So I wouldn't say that there's one station that works better or another, I would tell you your biggest issue is going to be you assuming that a station was going to work with you without you ever having any data actually saying what type of audience was listening. And is that the actual audience that you want to actually do business with in the first place? That's where most people go wrong. So, well, uh, hang on tight. We're, before I we go any further, and I'm going to start asking questions, Grace, and give you a heads up mm -hmm. regarding the messaging that we're going to be pushing out to these radio stations. But before I do, I want to remind everybody, wholesalinginc.com slash radio uh, to, to connect with Grace and the team over there uh, regarding this strategy. So now... You got your radio stations. You got your you got your account executive. What type of messaging have you typically found that works best in this scenario? Because I'd have to think, and then I, I keep thinking back to our our mailing. Right, our mm -hmm. mailings are typically done. We pick a template. It gets sent out. There's usually not a lot of customization. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with a radio ad, it's typically it's it there's some personality associated with it. Like what, what type of messaging or how do you position these radio ads? 
Oh, Jack, I'm so glad you asked this. Um, this is something that's just as important as getting your station correct and like picking the right station and getting the great price. It's also making sure that the messaging aligns. Um, there's a lot of people who kind of only get one or two of those things right. <laughs> and then uh, kind of half approach the message and then go, oh, well, I didn't get any results. I'm like, yeah, you have to, like, that's one thing you don't want to get messed up there. Personality is definitely a thing you want to tap into. Um, I, what I jokingly like to say to people is that tone also affects that. So you want to be energetic and create urgency, but not oxyclean guy. Like, do not scare someone away. <laughs> like energy that's like, ooh, you know, why is this person screaming at me? Um, you know, for me to contact them to the point where it feels, um, you know, not very genuine. Um, you, radio is like your voice. So your voice is creating that narrative uh, of if people are going to trust you and how much you know, are they actually going to um, feel comfortable potentially contacting you to discuss something that is probably uncomfortable? You know, the type of sellers that we usually have are not, they're not dealing with cookie cutter situations. It's kind of sticky. And sometimes it's not that, again, comfortable, but all they have is the sound of your voice and what you're saying in that message. And that's where all the credibility can be either gained or completely lost. So um, I would say that in a message, you have to be very clear on stating who you are and what you do, and actually the pain points that you service. You need to call those out specifically. Do not assume that people are gonna hear that you buy houses for cash and they're gonna know that their situation is what you're going to deal with. They don't. You, ha you have to like Captain Obvious it and literally say, hey, I buy, my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. You know, mm -hmm. hey, um, I, you know, you have a, a tax lien on the property, uh, no problem. Um, you are backed up in mortgage payments, no problem. Like you have to call out their specific situation and then feel free to follow it up with how you can out help. You know, um, sometimes you may be, you know, depending on your market as well, uh, maybe sellers are kind of worried about um, having people walk around their home. Call that out in your ad then. Um, I buy houses cash. I, I, there's no need for showings, no need for property walkthroughs. You know, call me today and I'll, you know, give you a cash offer over the phone, whatever that looks like. But in the radio ad, yes, please don't be afraid of tapping into personality because again, they're only, they only have your voice to go off of and that's where your credibility is lost or gained and what you're saying and how you're saying it. But your, their pain points have got to be spelled out just so that uniquely each person is going, oh man, you know, they're talking to me about me and my situation. Like they, I can hear that they can actually help me and then hear how many different other, you know, sticky situations, particularly um, you help as well. It definitely helps your credibility. So do you advise your, your clients then to maybe even have multiple ads? Because it sounds like you could potentially have try to cram a ton of information in a 30 second spot or whatever time you have. Can there be, it's, it's like pay-per-click it's cramming keywords, you know, like it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it gets too much. And then eventually you get so much in there. It doesn't serve the, the end goal or the purpose. Absolutely. That's a really great point. Um, I encourage students actually to run 60 second ads, especially as new advertisers, that you want enough time to really get your message across. But also um, you're almost allowing yourself to block out their attention spans. Um, you know, not that nothing's wrong with 30 second ads. I, I just find that typically 60 second ads work better up until a point and then you know down the line feel free to switch over to a 30 second ad uh, but give your audience time to get to know you and also block out 
you know, anything that can distract them. Because sometimes, depending on the type of radio station and the other advertisements that are running around it, 30 seconds can go by really quickly. Um, and so just as quick as you thought you uh, you know, put a little nugget in their head about selling for cash. Here's an ad about daycare and summer camp. Uh, and then the next ad about, hey, get your windshield wiper mm-hmm. fixed. And so they're sitting in their car going, I know I need to sell my house for cash, but I, I should probably call and get my kids into summer camp or maybe call that windshield, um, you know, place. But uh, back to your question, just in terms of um, messaging, you don't want to overdo it. Um, in the actual program that I coach, I actually provide scripts, uh, like as a guideline um, for students. So they have an idea of really what needs to be said in there, how deep they need to go into a particular point before they're overdoing it. Um, if there's a student who wants it, which I encourage, feel free to, you know, play with it and make it a little bit more unique. I actually work with the student one-on-one to go, hey, you know, if you want to play with a line or two or you want to play with delivery, that we actually test it out together before they actually go and record it in a studio and actually start running it on um, air. So, yes, you could potentially get to a point where you're cramming too much. Um, you just have to uh, be able to play with at least, like I said, at the very basis of it all. Make sure you're always establishing who you are, what you do as a service, how to contact you, and then an actual some pain points. Um, if I was playing with like a, just giving you some parameters, I'd probably say on paper, like if you're listening, start jotting down maybe three or to four, you know, top pain points that you hear right now that your sellers are dealing with and maybe start building and start thinking about your ad from that point around those three to four pain points, just so that you're not not overdoing it. You definitely don't want an advertising where you're trying to like point out 20 things. Absolutely Mm. not. Um, because your sellers roughly are all dealing with some of the mo- the same pain points, again, just like your actual sales rep at a radio station. So if you probably pin down about maybe your three to four most common pain points that you hear from your sellers, that's probably the best starting place for you. Just again, as a new advertiser, you don't nest, you don't need new um, additional ads. Um, I def I coach students on running that one ad, especially from a tracking standpoint, so that you can actually figure out what's working. Um, if you try to go on a station as a new advertiser and you're running two different ads or three different ads at the same time, it will get really difficult trying to figure out what's most successful. And you won't know, okay, well, hey, this ad is what's working the best because you just have too many things going on at one, uh, at one time. So um, I actually re- highly recommend running one ad sure. and just being super clear as you can on your pain points. So do you recommend typically somebody record their own voice and their their own ad as well? Oh, I definitely do. And there's a lot, and this kind of scares people is I have a lot of students that will say, well, I don't think my voice sounds, <laughs> you know, I don't mm-hmm. think my voice sounds that great or I, I don't, no. um, I feel Everybody like Everybody thinks that, right? Yes. I, I am one to, if there is money that you need to spend, I'll say so. But for a student, especially as a new advertiser, if there's no need for you to go spend extra money, like hiring a, a voiceover artist, I'm going to tell you that I'm like, save your money. Nope, not necessary. Um, personally, uh, you know, and again, for seven to eight years, we split tested all sorts of things. We're like, hey, does a female voice work better? Does a male voice work better? Does a, uh, um, you know, we even had, um, you know, some, you know, celebrities, you know, kind of come in and, and do uh, a couple of the advertisements. And they did not work as well as people hearing from the owner. Um, And I definitely would say that post pandemic, people really feel comforted by hearing from the owner. It may, even if you're not the one that's actually gonna walk them through the entire process, just hearing an ad on the radio from the person that says, hey, my name is so-and-so and and I do this and here's how I'm gonna help you. It feels more personal and it feels more relatable. And therefore it 
that credibility is more helpful that way because now people are going, well, hey, I know if I call, I know who I'm roughly going to hear from and I trust this situation better because that person just simply sounded uh, relatable, um, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. In fact, going back to my radio sales days, this this would be a, a dream of ours because mm-hmm. we, we learned on, on the radio sales side is that if we could get the person to do their own ad, it, the their purchasing would become more sticky because people like hearing themselves on the radio yeah. <laughs> and whether it was actually producing really well or not, that, that piece of it, um, it, it just made, like I said, it made, made them more sticky as a customer because of hearing themselves on the radio yeah, that this- perceived effort that, or the perception that it's working. Absolutely. Um, And I'm really big on student or people just not missing this point is don't miss out on the opportunity to be the local celebrity. Like radio will make you like a local celebrity. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, now that I'm on the radio, my friends and family hear me. Well, if you use a voiceover artist, they just snatched up your celebrity Mm -hmm. status. And now they're taking, you know, their voice or the sound of their voice is kind of taking all the credit for really what you're doing. And now people are associating that voiceover artist voice with your company and you got completely robbed on that opportunity. So radio is a great way just to build your own local celebrity and let people get to know you again. And please believe me, um, I even had a guy who said, you know, I was in a meeting with someone and they kept staring at me really weirdly and I couldn't figure out why that person was staring at me. And the guy ended up going, oh, I know where I heard your voice before. I heard it on radio. So I highly recommend, yes, your voice, believe me, I if you're out there listening, you're going, no, there's no way my voice is going to work. It actually will. You have to remember that there are people who are scared away from people that sound a little too professional, um, that sound too squeaky clean. Like they just want someone that makes them feel like, hey, my situation is worth hearing. And it's and it's nice to share it with someone that they feel like is local. So, yeah, right. don't miss out on the local celebrity piece. Get out there and use your voice. Definitely. Yeah, I'd have to imagine there's some power there when when they hear your voice on the radio. And you're the same voice that answers the call. Yes, absolutely. Or returns their call. Absolutely. It adds with the, like you said, that local celeb- celebrity, but you're kind of also earning some credibility there because you're on the radio. It's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when people are listening to the ad, we've learned, especially here, you know, that's why I, I make, I asked you for one URL. So wholesalinginc.com slash radio, if we didn't say that enough now, but uh, what is the action item you, you direct people? Like, do you send them to a website? Do you send them to a telephone? Do you send them to both? What is, what, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a really great question because this definitely comes up. You know, um, your sales rep, to be honest with you, is going to tell you one thing. You know, um, you can Google what you should put in an ad. Google's going to tell you one thing. Um, but in my experience and what I then teach um, the actual students is stick to one call of action. If you put in more than one call of action, it will confuse people and it will slow down them actually reaching out to you. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys are kind of familiar with this, but um, there's like a saying in business: if you offer too many products, and you know, at some point the person does the consumer won't actually make one purchase because they got overwhelmed by too many options. Okay, call to like if you overwhelm someone with call to actions in that radio ad, it's going to slow them down on how they actually reach out to you because then they're going, oh, okay, what should I do? I'd say stick to one and. I prefer, and I again, this is just tried and tested over like a few years, 
phone numbers work best as a call to action, especially a phone number that's very memorable, something that has a little bit of rhythm, kind of has a flow to it that they can kind of catch 978-288 or something, you know, something along those lines um, that's easy for them to grab, easy for them to remember, and they can just start calling you. The thing about radio is that it is an inbound marketing channel. So you want to take advantage of the fact that it's inbound. And I would do so by running that to your actual phone line so you don't have to keep chasing them down. Um, you could potentially use a URL. In my experience, I didn't, you know, it, it caused a lot more hunting in terms of, you know, we went from like an in, like, people calling in and it being an inbound source that acquisition managers could just easily start a conversation with to acquisition managers having to go, oh, I think that they put in a form. Did anyone see where the form actually dropped into and then collecting the information and then trying to get the person back on the phone. And that tends to happen with a URL. You're going to run into one or two problems. Running them to the internet could potentially run them into your competitors who might be ranking a little bit higher than you, although they mm -hmm. thought they had your URL correctly or they spelled the URL you know, wrong. Um, and then secondly, they get to your website and then they decide instead of calling you after going to your website they maybe say oh I'll just fill out the web form well now now you have to hunt them down all over again and the process starts whereas calling you know putting a call to action like hey you know call this phone number now you can just get them now especially as competitive as real estate is you want to try and get them as quick as you possibly can on the line with you um, I, I stick to one call of action being a phone number yeah, and I'd, I'd imagine that that speed of answering or returning of that call is probably pretty important. Yeah, very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how fast things cool off if you if you sit on it too long. So, well, one more time, I'm going to say wholesalinginc.com slash radio. But Grace, this has been a great conversation, but I have a little short speed round for you, and then we'll, mm -hmm. we'll start closing out. But uh, typically... I usually have real estate investors on and, and not a specialist <laughs> such as yours. So your answers are going to be interesting. Um, what is one book, your favorite book that you would recommend everybody read? One book. Oh, geez. That is tough for just to be one book. I'm going to slightly cheat and not say just one book. I'd say one theme. Is anything on, on mindset? Anything you can get your hands on mindset, helping you to clear any mental blocks um, or, um, you know, just maybe meditation, anything around that, like the mind is an incredible thing. And if you're not in control of it or kind of understanding how to best control your mindset and therefore the way you can respond or interact or react to certain things, it makes all the difference. Anything that I can get my hands on around mindset or even wisdom, anything like that, I definitely do. Sure. Well, what are you reading now and would you recommend it? Would I recommend it? You know what? It's actually on my bookshelf. Um, let me see. I don't know if I can even grab it. Um, no, that's all right. If you if it's not convenient, I wish I had it uh, to actually show you guys. It's a, a much longer title, and, and forgive me that it just literally left my head as soon as you asked it to me. But um, if there's anywhere I can, I'll probably you know I don't know if I can throw it into like show notes or something like that. Sure, but. you can always shoot it to me in an email. We'll we'll we'll, we'll add it to. You. But the bigger question is whatever it is. Would you recommend somebody take check it out? Is absolutely. It good? Yes, absolutely. Sure. You mentioned mindset and the importance of mindset. What do you do or what habits have you gotten into to maintain your mindset? Pulling back when I'm overwhelmed. I'm the type of person where I like to get things resolved and get things solved and, and tend to do so as quickly as possible um, without going, hey, sometimes you actually just need to pull back. 
just take a break, just take a breather. Give yourself permission to take a breather. Um, especially if you are uh, running a business or running, or even just like in your personal life, like you, whatever you're trying to do and get achieved, it's not going to turn out great if you um, were approaching it being overwhelmed, um, if you were, um, you know, upset, irritated, you know, in one direction or another, your results aren't going to end up meshing with the mindset you were approaching it with. And so I actually, at any particular point that I can, I like to pull back, take a breather, take a break. Absolutely. Well, and then lastly, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice at a younger age, what would it be? Get a financial mentor. Spend a lot of money on this. You know, probably in my early twenties, definitely. Well, I have to. I have. We have to admit. I mean, that's. I don't know what your experience is, but as far as I'm concerned, our school system has failed because that is a big gap. Everybody brings up. And I, I, it's shocking that it's not taught in school. Absolutely, I, and I definitely agree. I, I re- so. recall rolling out of school and going, "I was like, I don't know how to structure." any of this and none of it made any sense. And I made a lot of mistakes. Time. So, well, I, I could share stories. Well, um, before I let you go, is there a question or a concept you wished we would have covered here today? A question or a concept? I would probably say um, maybe in on my side that I didn't put enough emphasis on is, um, again, I, I use the word value a lot, but I would say people focusing on building quality relationships will go a lot further. Um, you don't have to be the greatest negotiator in terms of numbers or, um, you know, be an expert at one thing or another. You can actually become incredibly successful just learning, um, you know, and navigating relationships and building quality relationships. And that even goes back to uh, dealing with your radio sales reps. A big thing that they miss out on that people are so quick to start talking about money with them is that there's no relationship in between there. And so there's nothing for the sales rep to fall back on, which is why they don't mind going in for the hunt and for the kill on pricing you so high, because in their minds, you're probably going to be gone in like three months anyways. They don't have a relationship with you. And so I definitely would say is the emphasis on building quality relationships will go a lot further. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And we could continue to go because I would have loved to dive into some stories regarding how you've helped your your clients, your some some things you've learned along the way. But I suspect, Grace, that you'll have to come back and, and share some of those with us. <laughs> Definitely. So, well, I really appreciate your time. And make sure to check those links in the show notes, And uh, but we'll see you next time. Thank you. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.